I want to get right to Philly fan. Philly fan, help me out here. What is the opposite of climbing a greased light pole? What is the opposite of slamming and housing a horse pie sando? Because whatever the opposite of a Philadelphia celebration is, this is what I'm sure is going down right now. I mean, I said it last week, right? I said after last week's evisceration at the hands of the Cowboys, that Philadelphia looked like a broken team. They look broken. They look miserable. They look dysfunctional on both sides of the ball. And that they're not just trending in the wrong direction. They're literally heading right off a cliff. They're trending off of a cliff. I mean, it's bad. Really bad. And whatever is worse is where they are right now. I said all those things prior to last night. So if that's how it was prior to last night, how is it right now? If I were you, Philly fan, right now, I'd find that panic button and I would jump up and down on it because clearly this crew is in full-on panic mode, desperation mode. Now, before meltdown mode, implosion mode before we get to Jalen Hurts who Philly fan is blaming exclusively for this implosion nothing says panic like changing out the defensive play caller this late in the season nothing except giving the play calling duties to none other than Matthew the Ticonderoga And I don't want to hear about how the defense actually played better for most of the game. Because the defense actually played like crap when it mattered most. And it's a defense that allowed a backup quarterback to go 92 yards in 10 plays in 84 seconds. That shows you that they're pushing all the wrong buttons. Including the Ticonderoga button. So Philly... I've got two words for you this morning, and Alvy, I'm going to need it in super, super slow-mo. Philly? Oh! oh! It's got to be even slower than that. Oh! oh! Because things really are that jacked up. They really are that jacked up for the Eagles and enraged Philly fan. Oh! oh. More on Philly in a minute. I want to give Seattle their so-called flowers. That enormous come-from-behind win actually kept their postseason hopes alive. It kept their entire season alive. They were beat. They were done. And then they go the length of the field. So, Seattle, here's what I have for you. What I have for you is... Double rainbow guy. Whoa. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Whoa. Seattle fans gotta be feeling like that right now, right? Right? Every single Seahawk fan after that outrageous Drew Lock to Jackson Smith and Jigba, the game-winning TD, and for once, double rainbow. Rainbow Guy's reaction is actually appropriate. It's not over the top. That is an appropriate reaction to them going right down the field and snatching Philly's soul. That is an incredible throw. Maybe even a better catch. 
And it's impossible not to feel good for Drew Locke right now. It's also impossible to feel good about the Eagles right now. You know, for a long time, Philadelphia was finding ways to win games that they shouldn't win. Now, all of a sudden, they're finding ways to lose games that they shouldn't lose. And it's happening on the weekly. And giving up a 92-yard, two-minute drive to Drew Locke is one hell of a way to lose. That was more than just a loss. That was a straight-up soul snatch. Turns out, Matt, the Ticonderoga Patricia, was not the answer to Philly's problems on defense. I mean, shocking, right? It turns out that if Matt, the number two pencil, is your answer, then you don't have an answer. The lucky part for the pencil is that there is so much blame to go around. Lots of it. Tons of it. But fair or not, Philly fan is fixating most of the blame, or fixing it, on none other than Jalen Hurts. Like he is taking almost all the heat. Almost exclusively. Which Philly fan, frankly... Although you know I have your back generally, that's like the most Philly fan thing ever. One second you love this guy. You adore this guy. He's an icon. He's a legend. And the next second, he is the entire problem. Even when he's obviously not the entire problem. Now, I'm not saying that he played well last night. He didn't. Ran the ball some, but I'm not saying that this guy played well. But he was far from the only one. He was definitely part of the problem. But not the only problem, except he made the problem much worse afterwards when he doused the situation with kerosene and then started flicking blue tips, lit blue tips around the podium when he made this comment. I don't think we're we're all we're uh, committed enough, you know, you know, just just got to turn it around, you know, um, you know, it's a challenge that. I don't think we're we're all we're uh, committed enough, you know. You know, just just got to turn it around, you know. Um, you know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace. Just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that about being committed enough? Commitment. I don't know nothing that if I had a dictionary on me now. Um, excuse me. I don't know um, how else to say that. I guess, how are you seeing that presented? It's just, you know, it's a matter of being on the same page. Um, it takes everyone being all in um, in all aspects, and you know, it, it starts with me. My man, I know you just said that you do not have a dictionary around, but if you did, you should look up the word despondent, because that's how you sound. Did somebody just die other than their Super Bowl hopes? Hey, Philly fan, once again, say it with me. Oh, oh. Wow. Never a good sign when the quarterback calls out the team's commitment. In fact, not only is that never a good sign, it's a really, really bad sign. And I don't think anybody needs a dictionary to understand how big of a problem that is. I'm a little surprised he went there, but it was clearly an honest answer, and it's hard to argue with that dude, considering what a sloppy mess they were all the way around last night, himself included. And Hertz did say, it does start with me. He said, it starts with him, except Philly fan had already stopped listening by that point. Philly fan had already gone into full battery chucker mode, 
Philly fan did not want to hear any excuse or explanation or anything at all from him other than, excuse me, my bad. Excuse me, my bad. My bad. I called it Which wrong. Which he did say. My bad. He did. I got the score. He said, my right. bad. I got to be better. I got to play better. However, that additional addendum, that attachment about how we're not committed enough, that answer boomeranged on that dude badly. Because Philly fan is out for blood this morning, and they're out for his blood. Again, Jalen Hurts did not play real well. He made some really costly mistakes. No question. But again, let's be real. He was far from the only one making costly mistakes last night. He wasn't the one who was on the field for that 92-yard, two-minute drive that ultimately decided that game. I'll tell you who was, though. My dude, James Bradbury. He was on the field, though, and he got cooked for 87 of those 92 yards and the touchdown play. By the way, how about my other dude, Shaq Leonard? Was he on the field last night? At all? Was he? And the hell was Sidney Brown doing all night long outside of whiffing and missing on tackles consistently? Even the legend, Jason Kelsey, has got to share some blame in this. You know, I hate to ever get on that legend. It's almost never necessary for me to get on that legend or anybody else. But he'd be the first one to admit that that false start penalty that he took on third and one at the three-yard line was a massive mistake. Philly was a couple of shoves away from seven. Instead, they had to settle for three, and then, of course, they lost by three. My point is this. There is a ton of blame to go around. There is a reason that Hurts went out of character and called out the team's commitment. It's because the team has problems, big problems. They're desperate, they're panicking, and by the way, they should be. A few weeks ago, they were 10-1 and and looking at the top seed. Three losses later, they're now in the five hole, and they're looking up at Tampa Bay. Philly fan, you can try to put it all on Hurts, but again, if you do that, you're ignoring the team's obvious problems, and there's plenty of them. Did I mention that garbage defense? Hell, the defensive coaching has been so awful, they actually had to turn to Matt the Ticonderoga to try to save them. That's how bad it's been. And of course, that decision is already backfiring spectacularly. And the blame for that goes to Nick Sirianni. He was the one who took full credit for that decision after the game. Yeah, I made the decision. Um, I did what I thought I needed to do in the, in the best interest of the, the football team. I didn't feel like, um, you know, made some adjustments there. I didn't feel like we were playing well enough and coaching well enough on defense, so I made an adjustment. Um, and it was my decision, and that's, what, and that's what I did. Yo, Philly fan, your beloved head coach thought that giving the pencil more responsibility was, quote, in the best interest of your football team. Yet, you're all focused on your quarterback. Again, I'm not absolving the quarterback of blame. I'm just saying you get way bigger problems right now than your quarterback. Hey, Nick, what happened to less thinking equals talent takeover? Less thinking equals talent takeover. What happened to that? Hey, Nick, what happened to I don't hear bleep anymore, Chiefs fans?
What happened to that? What happened to I don't hear bleep anymore Chiefs fans? Hey, dude, are you hearing enough bleep right now, Nick? Because you've got a full-on bleep storm on your hands. Ever since you yelled that out, your team then immediately turned around and lost three of their next four. And bad, bad, bad losses. Beatdowns. Implosions. Bad losses. In other words, tough looks all around for Philadelphia. And pretty damn good vibes all around for Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back to the playoff race. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Alvy. Thanks so much. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back to the playoff race. Hey, Seattle. Way to keep your playoff hopes alive in the most dramatic way possible. Hey, Seattle. What do you say you and me... Watch this absolutely incredible game-winning TD once again, Seattle. Shotgun snap, three-man rush. Lock throws, long pass down the far sideline, caught over the shoulder. It's grabbed, Smith and Jenga, touchdown, touchdown, Seattle, touchdown. The Seahawks have taken the lead. 28 seconds to go. And one of the big storylines, Matt Patricia takes over. The defensive play calling for the Eagles. I talked about two man on the play before this. He decides to drop down and go one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. And Smith and Jigba beats Bradbury once again. And a perfect throw by Locke. I'll tell you what, it does not get much better than that. Except for maybe Locke's on-field post-game inter interview with Lisa Salters. I would call the whole thing amazing, but Drew is right. Amazing does not begin to do justice to that game and that ending, and that throw, and that catch. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice, but amazing also doesn't do justice with the O-line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long, the tight ends, man. It takes a special group to rally around a guy that, you know, has come into his second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. For a team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around me tonight, man, that was that was amazing. I see some I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just it's, it's awesome. It's a wow. Seriously, one of the best on-field post-game interviews ever. The only thing missing was Locke hitting her with a, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, though. It's like the Seahawks lead the league right in inspirational back, quarterbacks. Impossible not to be happy for that guy this morning, unless, of course, you're a Philly fan, then it's probably not possible to be happy about anything this morning. Then again, you guys do love being miserable, right? If that's the case, I would imagine the Eagles can hit you with a, you're welcome. You're because welcome. there is an absolute ton to be miserable about right now in Philly. How about after that TD, when cameras caught Drew Locke on the sideline screaming, put that effing bleep on, mother bleeper. It was kind of like, I mean, if you saw that, 
Those who can read lips saw that. It's kind of like Jake Browning from Sunday going with, quote, you should have never bleeping cut me. It's amazing. Top of his lungs. You should have never bleeping cut me. I'm telling you, these NFL scriptwriters really took this season to the next level, right? We're talking Academy Award for best original screenplay level at this rate. After the Steelers v. Bengals this Saturday, it's almost inevitable that Mason Rudolph is going to get the win on a miraculous TD, find the nearest camera, and scream into it, You should have never started Tiny Hands Over Me! You should have never started Tiny Hands Over Me! Bleep Trubisky! Mitch Trubisky. Wild stuff. Yo, Philly, get up in here. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there is the latest batch of holiday cards looking good. So it's Tuesday. I'm on the air through the end of this week. The question is, is it too late to get your cards in? And the answer is no, it's not. Tommy, what do they have to do to get on TV with their fam or individually? Very simple. Just send us an email to Rome at haveatake.com. Uh, send us, you know, if you want to send us your Christmas card, that'd be great. Just make sure you scan it. Don't take a picture of it and send us a photo. If you just want to send us a photo, that's fine too. But make sure it's in some way signed so that we know who you are so we can credit what, what who you What if they have are. one of those old school like Polaroids where you take the picture and it comes out the bottom of the camera? Can they just take a picture of that and send it to us? If you scan that and then label <laughs> what who you are, then yeah, we could probably make that work too. Right, make nice. sure we know who you are, make sure you're not impersonating anybody, and make sure it's appropriate to air on national television. Are you the gatekeeper? Are you the one going through all of them? Or have you pawned that off on somebody there else? There are actually a couple stages. I am the first stage gatekeeper, yes. Uh-huh, and? Then it goes to New York. And have then you, have you seen anything shit. really unsavory? Um, Just the one from Jardy and NC. No way. Yeah. All right. That's been, you know... Sent every single day, but I, I continue to and catch it. And has still not gotten it. on the air. Yeah, exactly. Just keep sending it. I'm sure we'll get it in. <clears throat> All right, nice job. So, the families are looking good. Send us your Christmas card or your holiday card, and it's not too late. We'll try and get it on the air. That is one good way to get on TV. Dear Jim, playing uh-oh at slow speed sounded cool, but can Alvy play it at double speed on a loop? Thanks. Alex and Windsor. I don't know, Alvy, can you? That's an Alvy question, not a me question. Meantime, and no Cal Vic is in. Damn, that Philly quarterback sounds pretty despondent. Is his name Jalen Hurts or Everybody Hurts? Everybody Put some of that sad REM music under that presser. Some Jalen Hurts. Wow, dude. Alvy's having a hard time. See, quote, I can't do them both at the same time. Since when, dude? You lay eight things over each other at the same time. Every single day. What do you mean you can't do both things at the same time? I don't think we're we're all we're See? Committed enough. I knew you could do that. You know, can't do it or don't want to do it. You know, you know, it's a challenge that 
I don't think we were. There's more where that came from. Hey, Jim. Committed enough. Even we think it's been a long December for Philly. Regards, the Counting Crows. Signed Alex and KC. War Philly coaches with punchable faces. Of course, Chiefs fans pissed. Where's the camera? Because Philly coach was talking so much junk about the Chiefs. And the second he got off of them, they started losing. And at Planet Wilson, one writes, Hey, Rome, if Jalen Hurts needs a dictionary, he can use mine. I'm not using it. Regards, James Kelly. That's fair. I will allow that. And then one more. Hey, Jim, usually when things don't go our way, Nick will turn toward me, fall into my arms, and shout cry into my chest. I could see him desperately searching after that final pick last night. I'm still here, little buddy. I'm still here. Yours forever, the big man upstairs, a.k.a. Big Dom. Wesley near Boise wore the Niners being that much closer to the one seed. Maybe it's just Big Dom. Maybe that's what's missing. I mean, would any of this have happened last night if Big Dom were still on the sideline? Maybe not. All right, when we come back, we'll talk some college ball. Dennis Dodd joins us. I'll get his thoughts on Nebraska flipping a five-star, ripping him from Georgia. I've got thoughts on that, too. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. All right, as promised, we're joined right now by a national college football writer for CBS Sports, also a CBS Sports HQ contributor, good friend of the program. He is Dennis Dodd. He joins us via Zoom. Dennis, good to have you back in the jungle. How are you doing? Earlier this month at the Aria in Las Vegas, the high temperature in Eagle River yesterday was 27 degrees, so I am ready to go. You are ready to go. My man, you got me all covered. (laughs) For those who missed it, you went to Javier's in Vegas. Give it to me straight. How was the experience? Uh, it was great. The shrimp enchiladas are the go-to. The chips are the best uh, Mexican chips uh, I've had. Uh, and that was the first place I went to. It was a conference there for where we saw Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, announce these sweeping, his sweeping proposal. But I got off the plane, got an Uber, went right, right to the casino in, uh, in the Aria and Javier's. It was great. Well played. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, Dennis, before we talk about the bowl season, including the national championship game, the transfer portal continues to generate major news. Oregon chases the addition of Oklahoma QB Dylan Gabriel by getting a commitment from UCLA quarterback Dante Moore yesterday. As the Ducks get ready for the Fiesta Bowl, how much does Dan Lanning bolster that roster heading into his first season in the Big Ten? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, look, he's already got Dylan Gabriel, who led Oklahoma to the number three scoring spot in the country last year, had the best year of his career, uh, and then goes to Oregon. You go, oh, okay, uh, they've got their guy. They're fine. And then he persuades Dante Moore, who struggled at times at UCLA, but has huge upside, to come there and basically, I'm thinking, sit out a year before he takes over for Dylan Gabriel. It doesn't look like there'll be a competition And so he's just loading up on quarterbacks through the portal. One of the few times I think we've seen it in the portal era where you got multiple guys who can play. 
who are going to lead the program. He's stacking quarterbacks. You know, this portal experience so far since December 4th when it opened has been about quarterbacks. And if you got a quarterback, you've got a chance. I don't know. Uh, we can get into this. I don't know if you can flip a roster. I don't know if we've learned that for sure, even with Dion and Lincoln Riley. But for sure, for sure, you can get yourself a quarterback. Dennis Dodd joining us to that point. Dennis, what about a five-star quarterback? What about a five-star quarterback like Dylan Riola flipping from Georgia to Nebraska? Let me get your reaction to that decision. And then how big of a signing is that for Nebraska? Well, it's huge. Um, they haven't had a quarterback in years, arguably, since the Scott Frost era began. Maybe Adrian Martinez, but that's even a maybe. Uh, they need a quarterback to contend. And this is a huge get for Nebraska, the most highly rated prospect in Nebraska history. And that's saying a lot going back in their history. I had, had been texting with the father. Uh, I met with the dad last summer in Scottsdale just to do a story on his recruitment. And they had already decommitted from Ohio State, and he was going to Georgia. The whole family had moved to Buford, Georgia. I think he told me that they had made seven unofficial visits to Georgia before they made their official. They were entirely bought in. And then as this word kind of leaked out that, look, uh, Dylan Rayola is going to visit Nebraska, and I'm going, what? Okay, I get that his uncle is the offensive line coach. I get that his dad was a was a was a legendary won the Remington Award as a center for the Cornhuskers, but this is a kid who won one coaching quarter uh, quarterback throwing coach Jim told me who works with NFL prospects that Dylan Rayola has a chance to be better than Patrick Mahomes. Now I know hyperbole is crazy in this game, but that's how he that's how he is viewed, and he goes to Nebraska. This is huge. Again, I I, I texted his dad. As this was going on, I said, is this real? And he said, the kid just, he's just an 18-year-old playing out the process, wanting to take a visit. And look what Matt Rule did. He flipped him from Georgia to go to Nebraska. So they've got their foundation now for the next at least three years. Love to see it. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, Dennis, taking nothing away from the 40-plus bowl games or all those teams that earn those spots, but get me to the final year of the current playoff format. Why don't we talk about the top seed Michigan going up against number four seed Alabama in the Rose Bowl in the first national semi semifinal. What do you make of Nick Saban hiring a former Michigan linebackers coach to be a, quote, special assistant for the Tide heading into the Rose Bowl? Well, there you go. That's Nick Saban. I mean, he's he's the king of uh, of career rehabilitation. I mean, you could fill a book with it. You've got, you know, you've got Lane Kiffin. You've got Steve Sarkeesian. You've got scores of Butch Jones, who's at Arkansas State. Now, scores of guys that have gone through there and rehabbed their career. Um, I don't know if this is that, but certainly it's a chance to look inside the Michigan program, as you would probably figure out. Um, and Michigan knows a little bit of something about that, don't they? Um, looking at other people's programs. But, you know, with Nick Saban, look, is there's a lot of rumblings that this may be his walk off if he wins this thing. Just being around him a little bit this season, I've never seen him more content. In other words, I, as many people have said, I think this is his best coaching job. If you were around that team, uh, after the during and after the Texas game, obviously their their largest non-conference home loss since 2004. And then in a lot of ways, even worse, the next week against UCF in week three, when Jalen Milrow gets benched, um, knowing they can kind of slog through this horrible game against against USF and still win. 
you wouldn't have given, uh, you know, a dollar for this team's chances in getting to the playoff. I think I said out loud on somebody's show, this looks like a four-loss team. And at that point, they did. This is clearly his best coaching job. It doesn't have the most talent, but they've come along. And now Jalen Milrow's athleticism has been able to shine through where he's now a difference maker, a guy that's getting, that got votes for the Heisman, a guy that could be the difference maker against Michigan. So, you know, we, we went through this uh, mishmash about Florida State not getting in. I think two things can be th- true right now. Florida State got screwed. We've had that discussion. But also, these two games, Jim, are the best the CFP has had in its history, in its 10-year history. Dennis Dodd joining us. Dennis, go back to Nick Saban for a minute. I could see Alabama beating Michigan. And if Alabama beats Michigan, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But if you were to walk off on that, who could you see replacing him? And who's going to want to follow the GOAT? Well, I think you'd have to give a call to Sark. Um, you know, I, I know Dabo through through the grapevine really, really wants it, but I don't know if the state of the Clemson program would allow him to get that job. I don't know if he, I'm not saying that definitively, but you got to ask yourself, is Clemson on the way up or is it on the way down? I don't mean down, down. I mean down to mediocrity where they're, they're not in the playoff every year because that's the standard that he set at Clemson. So I think you got to lob, you got to lob a call to Sark to see if he wants to come. I mean, he's gotten Texas back. Uh, There are others, there are others in the NFL that would come. Uh, So it it would be interesting, you know, never be the guy to follow the guy. I think we've learned that time and time again, but somebody's going to get, if it happens, a loaded roster and a legacy to live up to that is unparalleled. Talking to Dennis Dodd. Dennis, what about the other matchup in the semis? You got number two seed Washington going up against the three seed Texas, who you just mentioned in the Sugar Bowl. You know, both teams have tremendous star power at quarterback with Michael Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers, but questionable defenses. Who do you favor in that matchup? What do you think it comes down to? I've got Texas winning the whole thing. When I was asked to pick on Selection Sunday, I've got Texas winning the whole thing. Number one, it's the best team they've had since 2009 when they lost to Alabama in that BCS championship game. I don't think I'm going out on a limb in saying that. But um, they've lost They've lost the running back. C.J. Baxter, the, uh, the fill-in, the freshman, has been absolutely incredible. They've got a, a, you know, a serviceable running game. The receiver is some of the best in the country. Xavier Worthy is a, is a breakaway threat. Quinn Ewers looks like he's at the top of his game. And that's the biggest question I had about Texas. Quinn Ewers was good. He was never great. He's kind of bordering on great now. And we all we all know about Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. But the thing about Washington is, as good a season as they had, and look, I can make a great case for them being number one in the CFP rankings, given their strength of schedule and who they beat. Jim, they are 93rd in the country in total defense. If they win this thing, that would be by far the worst uh, defense ever to win a national championship in the BCS era since 1998. I just think Texas is on a roll. They're a complete team. Sark is at the top of his game and whoever they play against Michigan and Alabama. And nobody, nobody's really talking about Texas to win the whole thing. I don't think Washington's a good story offensively, Michigan, Alabama, two blue bloods, but Texas has already beaten Alabama. If you're a college football fan, you got to be rooting for Texas, Alabama too. 
and the championship game and let the chips fall where they may. I agree with you. He is a national college football writer for CBS Sports, also a CBS Sports HQ contributor, good, good friend of the program. He is Dennis Dodd. Dennis, great to get caught up. In fact, you knew I had to run you down before the end of the year. We'll do it again early next year, and it's always good to have you on. Dennis, thanks so much. Jim, a pleasure. Thanks. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, so we move into hour number two, which is wide open. If you want to react to any of that, he's got Texas winning the whole thing. What about Nick Saban? Would Nick Saban walk off on this year? I could see it if he finishes, and everybody does agree this is probably the best job he's ever done. Early in the year, they were left for dead. Early in the year, it wasn't a matter of walking off, but maybe being pushed out. So now he's got them in position. It would not surprise me at all if they beat Michigan. If he were to win it all, that would be a perfect time to walk off. But who wants to be the guy to follow the guy? Could it be Sark? Would Dabble want that gig, obviously. All of that still ahead, and Kyle Juszczyk at the top of our three. Stay tuned.